Morning Sanctuary. Uh, my name is Edrin, lead pastor here at the sanctuary. Um, it is an honor and privilege to be able to stand before you today. Um, if I have not had the chance to uh, meet you, shake your hand, hug your neck personally, would love to do that um, in the very near future. Um, thank you so much for being here with us here at the sanctuary. Um, the sun is out today. <laughs> And I've learned not to stand between Minnesotans and their Vikings or their sunshine. And so I, we're going to jump into this word um, so we can enjoy some of this sunshine because who knows what tomorrow will look like. Um, but just before we do get into the word, um, I, I want to make a couple of acknowledgments. Um, if you were here last Sunday, you heard the announcement um, that our, our sister, our prayer warrior, a mother of our church, Miss Pearlie Dean, went to be with the Lord last Sunday morning. Um, I was in Chicago at the time for some denominational meetings when the word came to me. Um, and it felt, I, I felt it as deeply as I did when my grandmother passed away a number of years ago. Miss Pearlie was, she was sanctuary. She embodied the values and the ideals that make this church what it is. And it's hard to imagine sanctuary without Miss Pearlie. Um, but we, we know and celebrate that while she is not with us physically anymore, spiritually she is with us. More importantly, she is with the Lord today. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness. And I also believe that heaven is a little bit louder this morning because Miss Pearlie is there. Jesus is getting the earful right now. <laughs> what channel is Sanctuary's live stream on? <laughs> I was uh, scheduled to be in Chicago until Friday. Got news on Sunday and immediately changed my plans to get back here. Wanted to be with our staff, wanted to be with her family, wanted to be with our congregation. Um, I felt like I needed to be here. And so I, I found myself um, in the airport at O'Hare in a corner next to my gate waiting on my flight doing the ugly cry, right? The, the real ugly cry, too. You, you haven't seen that one yet. Um, and my phone started blowing up, like just a bunch of text messages, notifications from group chats that I'm a part of. And I got the news about Kobe Bryant. And that was like a second dagger to the heart. And that one was confusing. I was like, I don't know this man. But although I'd never met him personally, I felt like someone I'd grown up with had passed away in that moment. And it was very interesting to see many men around the country mourning this week in a different kind of way, in ways that men usually don't, don't do publicly. And I think we should pay attention to that. Something was going on there. There was a young lady walking through the airport with the biggest pair of shades on I'd ever seen in my life. My first reaction was, she looks so silly with those shades on in Chicago in the winter. And then something hit me, and I, like, I was like, I have shades in my bag, too. So I put my shades on, <laughs> and, and my, my grief was able to go to another level because I wasn't worried about what I look like anymore. Thanks to where we are, a church that are grieving this week. But the good news is we don't grieve without hope. 
The good news of the gospel is that death is not the final. It does not get the final word. Death does not win. Death has been defeated. And so we grieve today, but we grieve with hope. So we remember Miss Pearlie, remember her life, remember the, the miles that she walked around this block, play, praying for our church even before this building was here. I remember all the Sundays when we would show up early on Sunday morning while many of you were still sleeping, deciding if you were going to come to church or not. Ms. Pearlie would be walking up and down these aisles and these rows, laying hands on every seat, praying for you and your families long before you ever came in this building. I saw Ms. Pearlie serve at this altar, praying with people through divorces and sicknesses and cancer diagnoses and all sorts of incredibly life altering situations she served our church and so I want to encourage us to show up as a church over these next few days as we remember Miss Pearlie formally so tomorrow from 4 to 7 we'll have visitation here at the church uh, you can drop in for a couple of minutes see uh, Miss Pearlie's body greet her family pray with them share stories of how Miss Pearlie served them we, we spent so much time with the family this week and they said over and over again, they just, they knew she was special, but these stories have been healing for them. So we want to encourage you to show up if you can between four and seven tomorrow um, to be with the family. And then on, on Tuesday morning at 11 a.m., we will celebrate Miss Pearlie's life through a funeral service here at the church. We'll have final visitation at 10 a.m. that morning. And so if you're able to join us for any part of that, we would love to have you join us. In, in some strange way, I've come to appreciate what death is able to do for us. Because when death comes, it pushes all the silly stuff out of the way. And people are, for some strange reason, incredibly focused for just a few days when death touches us closely. And I want to pray that today, as we are grieving and mourning as a church, that this would not be a lost opportunity, that we would honor Miss Pearlie by living our faith out in the same way that she did. She gave everything that she had to her family, everything that she had to this church. She, she labored in the spiritual realm for our church. And I pray that that work won't die now that Miss Pearlie has passed away, that others of us would pick up that mantle and continue to labor for our church in that way. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you, God, that we can face life with courage and face death knowing that you have been victorious. So, Lord Jesus, we pray today for Miss Pearlie's family, for her daughters, for her son, for her grandchildren that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt Miss Pearlie is today resting with her Savior. That they would know without a shadow of a doubt that her life was lived well. She served faithfully. That she set before them and us an example of what it is to be sold out for Jesus. Lord, search our hearts today. There are some heartbroken people in this room today. I'd search the community around her home for those who 
she would always take in and share a meal with when they didn't have. God, help us to know and remember today that you are a God who does not make mistakes. That even if it doesn't make sense from our perspective, you know what you're doing. Father, we lean into that understanding today. Give us strength to continue forward, following your example and the example of your dear daughter, Miss Pearlie. Father, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, as uh, we spent time remembering Ms. Pearlie and also from a distance remembering um, Kobe and his legacy, I, I spent a lot of time looking at videos and tributes from um, other professional athletes who testified about who Kobe was and what he meant to them. And one particular person that I paid a lot of attention to was uh, Shaquille O'Neal. I've shared before from the pulpit that I think there's very little debate left around the fact that Michael Jordan is the greatest athlete, greatest basketball player of all time. I've said that. But although Jordan is the GOAT, he's not my favorite player. Shaq was my all-time favorite player. He, 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 he was dominant on the court. He had a sense of humor and goofiness that made no sense because he was a giant. I, I love his love of music. He put out rap albums that were absolutely terrible and he didn't care. He was a bad actor. We saw Shazam. Pray for, pray for Shazam. But there are just so many things about Shaq that I, I love. I love Shaq so much that I adopted the same body type as him. Um, Shaq is my favorite basketball player, and so it was incredible to see him um, mourning this week, this, this brother, this friend, this teammate of his, and we know the rocky relationship that they had. But it was incredible to see him mourning so publicly this week. Shaq is my favorite player, but Shaq is not the GOAT. And one thing that kept Shaq from being considered the GOAT, I promise you I'm going somewhere with this, just <laughs> one thing that kept him from being the GOAT was that at critical junctures in his career, Shaq settled for less. Shaq performed poorly at the free throw line. Shaq in his career missed 5,300 plus free throws. When it counted, when, when this team needed him most, Shaq settled for less than the best. He, he let far too many free throws slip away. At his worst, Shaq was shooting about 50%, so one out of two. That's what you could expect from Shaq. But at his best, you could still only expect about 67%, two out of three. Shaq settled. He didn't seem to work really hard around his free throws, and it became a liability to him in his career. Shaq is my guy, but Shaq is not the GOAT because he became okay with two out of three. Now, before you start feeling sorry for Shaq, the truth is that there's a little bit of Shaq in all of us, especially when it comes to our spiritual lives, because many of us seem... And I'll make sense of this in a moment, seem eager to settle 
for 67%. Two out of three. In, In our spiritual lives, many of us settle for two out of three. Clearly stated, we have lost something. We've neglected something. We've forgotten about something. More accurately, we seem to have lost or neglected someone. When we look at the church in America, it seems that we make space for the Father. We we rely heavily on God the Son, but it seems we have lost and neglected the one that we call the Holy Spirit. Two out of three. Sixty-seven percent. My math teacher would be so proud. That's why today we're kicking off a series that we're calling Forgotten God. Forgotten God. It's a journey to grow in our understanding and our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It's also an encouragement to deepen our desire for all that God has for us, not just some of God, desiring all of God. Together in this series and throughout the course of this year, my prayer is that we as a church would increasingly cry out to God together, Lord, we want more, more of your spirit, more of your power, more of your presence. Lord, give us all of you. Now, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, there are usually two uh, reactions. One is, uh uh-oh, it's about to get weird in here. I knew the crazy was going to come out eventually because for some people, when they think about the Holy Spirit, all they can think about is chaos. All they can think about is languages they don't understand. All they can think about is running and jumping and screaming. And then there are others, when they hear the Holy Spirit talk, they say, here we go. Now it's about to get real. You lean forward in your seats. You start cracking your knuckles in your neck and stretching because for you, There's nothing else that matters except those expressive ways in which the Holy Spirit shows up. Regardless of what end of the spectrum you're on, I want to invite you in this series because God, I believe, wants to speak to us. And so in this first series of 2020, we're asking ourselves, who is the Holy Spirit? When compared to our grasp of God the Father and our understanding of God the Son, The Holy Spirit is, by many, believed to be the unknown Trinitarian person. Most of us seem to know very little about the Holy Spirit, or our understanding is plagued by stereotypes or misconceptions. Perhaps you've you've been guilty of some of these yourself. Some people believe the Holy Spirit's work is always dynamic and spectacular. Think Benny Hinn. I take my coat off and I whip it over this room, And the whole left side just falls down. When I say Holy Spirit, that's what some people think. Some of us think the Holy Spirit is only relevant for Sundays. It's only related to how you do in church, what you do in church. Some people think the Holy Spirit is only relevant for the super saints, for certain ethnic groups, for certain kinds of churches and certain denominations other than our own. Some people believe when I say Holy Spirit, I'm talking about karma or vibes. In this series, Forgotten God is an invitation. It's an invitation to grow in our understanding of the Spirit. And as we grow, we also want to get out of our own way. We want to make room for the Spirit to do as the old preacher used to say, to rest, rule, and abide in us. 
as individuals and as a worshiping community. And so our message today is simply titled, The Spirit is God. The Spirit is God. Over the next few weeks, we are one by one from our teaching team going to take one aspect of the identity of the Holy Spirit and try to drill down on it, trying to build a foundation for where we're going this year. And my assignment today is to help you see that the Holy Spirit is God. In the book Forgotten God, written by Francis Chan, he said this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He is not a lesser or different kind of being than God the Father or the Son. The Spirit is God. The words spirit and God are often used interchangeably in the New Testament. In Acts, we read of Peter's challenge to Ananias, saying, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? What made you think of doing such a thing? Peter goes on to say, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. In these verses, we see that Peter explicitly refers to the Holy Spirit as God. This is vital to remember, for when we forget about the Spirit, we are really forgetting about God. I'm trying to help you see that the Spirit is God. I want to encourage us today to remember that the Spirit is a part of the Trinity. He is a part of the Godhead. Today, in churches all around the country, especially Baptist churches like the one I grew up in, some person stood up in front of the church with that old red hymn book, turned it to song number one, and it said something like this, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning my song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. That song is trying to teach us that the Trinity is a a perfect harmony, a perfect relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. The Trinity is God in three persons. And the Holy Spirit, I want us to see today, is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God right alongside the Father and the Son. Now, I called him the third person of the Trinity But I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is in third place in the Trinity. Think about famous trios in our world today. As I think about famous trios over the last 15 to 20 years, one that comes to mind for me is Destiny's Child. We love Beyonce, man. Don't mess with Queen B. We love Kelly. Kelly's like the cool homegirl everybody wants to be around. But why do we do Michelle the way we do Michelle? Why do we do that? I want you to hear me saying this morning that the Holy Spirit is not the Michelle of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. He is of the same essence as the Father and the Son. He possesses the same attributes as the Father and the Son. He was pre-existent, existing before time. Athanasius, that African thinker and leader, said of Jesus, there never was a time when he was not the same as true of the Holy Spirit. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He is eternal. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not just talking about spooky stuff. We're not just talking about some unnamed force, not some tick that gets on you and makes you do strange things. The Holy Spirit 
is God. The Holy Spirit exists in perfect harmony alongside the Father and the Son. And at the very same time, he is distinct from them. That's the beauty and the mystery of the Trinity. There is God the Father, the originator and the source of it all. There is God the Son, the first advocate who came to earth to initiate the kingdom, and he bore in his body the penalty for our sins. And there is God the Spirit, God's power at work in creation, and the second advocate who is active today bringing about this new eternal community that the Father has called into being and the Son has initiated. Dr. Young talked to us last week about that new city, that beautiful city that the Father is, is, is called to be, that, that, that beloved community that is being built for us. Do you know that the Spirit is the one doing the work of completing this vision that Christ initiated in the kingdom? The Spirit is working today to bring that new community to bear. And so I want to take a few moments and just break down those two things. One, that the Spirit is God's power at work in creation. He is the creator spirit. And that the Spirit is at work bringing the beauty of the kingdom to bear. He is the completer spirit. And then I'm going to invite us to allow the Spirit to lead us in some new ways as we move forward together as a church. The Holy Spirit is the creator spirit. He was present and active in creation. When we look to the Old Testament writers we saw, they saw this as a foundational activity of the Spirit. Above all that the Spirit does, they saw the Holy Spirit as creator spirit, the one by whom the Father created the world and sustains the world. Genesis 1, chapter 2, verse 2 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Genesis 1 and, 1 and 1 and 2 offer a foundational picture of the Spirit's creative work. Before the Father even speaks the word, there is the Holy Spirit. Can you see him? Hovering over the deep, brooding like a mother hen, ready to produce and bring forth life. And the text says, God speaks, and by his Spirit, the writer of Genesis tells us that the world was made. Genesis 2 and 7 says this, Then the Lord formed, from, formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The text says that God breathes his breath, his spirit, his ruach on the first human being, and he brings forth life. Brothers and sisters, right from the beginning, the scriptures teach us that the Spirit of God, the breath of God, is creative. It brings forth life, and it is absolutely indispensable for sustaining life. So what does that mean for us? What does that have to do with us? One simple application is this, brothers and sisters, where there is no spirit, where there is no breath, there is no life. But wherever the Spirit of God is found, wherever the breath of God is found, life is found. And so as a church, when we cry out we need the Holy Spirit, what we're really saying is we need life. 
What we're really saying is that we're no longer satisfied with our attempts to live apart from God's Spirit. And here's the reality that all of us are susceptible to this at times of trying to live a life that is done apart from the Spirit of God. That kind of living, brothers and sisters, is no living at all. You see, we need the Spirit because when we operate without the Spirit, we're something more akin to dead men walking. We resemble the herds on the walking dead. Not really dead, but not really alive either. Wandering around aimlessly, pulled back and forth by any noise or scent that we pick up. Smelling like the grave, looking like the grave, sounding like the grave, terrifying people wreaking havoc on everybody and everything that we encounter. That's how we look when we refuse the Spirit. But the good news today is that we don't have to live that way. There is a Spirit of God available to us that gives us life and allows us to live as we were intended. The good news is, brothers and sisters, that where the Spirit of God is, where the breath of God is, There is life. Job 33, verse 4 says this, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty has given me life. And that life is available to us through the Holy Spirit, who is the creative Spirit of God. And not only is the Holy Spirit the creative Spirit in the sense that He creates, but the Spirit is God also in the sense that He is the completer spirit. The Old Testament writers often talked about the spirit in ways that were seemed different on the surface than the New Testament. But there is one image in the Old Testament that I think is a precursor to what Jesus introduces in the New Testament. There is this passage in the, from the prophet Joel that says, when God's spirit is poured out on all God's people, There will be a day when sons and daughters would prophesy. There would be a day when old and young will have dreams and visions. And there would be a day when even those who were subjected to a life of servitude, both men and women would receive God's spirit. And I believe in John 14, Jesus' words gives us another part of the spirit's identity. John chapter 14, verse 15 from the Amplified Version reads like this. If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, a standby to be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. Jesus paints a picture of the Spirit not being the one who comes and is with us sometime and then leaves us and goes away, but he says that the Spirit would continually be with us as a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, and a strengthener. The Greek word there paints the picture of a helper, one who comes alongside to help. And sometimes if we don't know better, we can think of the Holy Spirit as kind of weak and passive in that way. Because he doesn't seem like the main actor, he's just the one, the sidekick, right? 
He's Barney Fife, one bullet in his gun. But to understand the Holy Spirit that way is to gravely misunderstand the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a second advocate, the one who works in the world to bring the Father's redemptive plan to completion. He is a completer spirit. He is at work bringing the kingdom of God into its full reign. And because he is the completer spirit, the spirit works in us. He works through us and he works around us to accomplish the father's plan. And so if you are here today and you believe the father's purposes and plans are moving forward in the world. If you are here today and you believe that the son, Jesus, ushered in the kingdom of heaven, inviting us to repent and believe and follow after him. And if you believe that there is coming a great day when that new community will be completed and we'll live together in that new heaven and new earth. If you believe that today, brothers and sisters, you'll be as pleased as I am to know that the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, is at work in and around us to bring that day to pass. He is not just the creator spirit. He is the completer spirit as well. So what does that mean for us? Why, why does any of this matter at all anyway? I want to encourage us in two very tangible ways. First, to look for and expect the Holy Spirit everywhere. If the Holy Spirit really is the creative power of God, and if the Holy Spirit really is at work day to day bringing about God's redemptive plan, our work sanctuary is first to broaden our vision for the Holy Spirit, to expect to see the Spirit everywhere, to look for the Spirit, to get a bigger vision of how the Spirit is working in us and through us. What does it mean to have an eye out for the Spirit in your neighborhood? What does it mean to have an eye out for the Spirit on your job? What does it mean to see the ways that the Spirit is using you where you are every day? The Spirit of God is not bound by the benediction or the call to worship. I want to call us as a church to look for and expect the Holy Spirit everywhere to have a broader vision of how the Spirit is working. But I also want to encourage us to stop fighting the Spirit. Stop fighting the Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit in. For some of us, our posture towards the Holy Spirit mirrors the posture that I'm seeing right now from some of you. That face is like, mm, I'm not so sure about that Holy Spirit. <laughs> that posture is, mm, nah, I'm holding myself like this, so if the Spirit is real, it won't get on me. Brothers and sisters, listen. The basic encouragement today is that the Spirit is God. We're not inviting some spooky random force into this church and into your lives over which you have no control and you'll just do the craziness that you see on YouTube. We're inviting God to actually be God in our lives. We're asking God to bring his creativity and let it take bear in our life. We're asking God to, to help us as a church to grow in the creative ways in which we engage the gospel. We love tradition. Tradition is great, but there are some new and fresh things that I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us toward, and we can't do it in our own strength. 
So we need the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work, bringing the kingdom of God to bear. And I want to invite us to join the Spirit in that work. You're wondering, what is it that we're going for as a church? We are trying to be actively engaged in the work of creating a new heaven and a new earth. And the Spirit is not waiting for us to do that work. He's already at work there. But He's every day inviting us, come and be a part of what I'm doing. My prayer for us as a church is that over and over again, we would say yes to the Holy Spirit, who is creator and completer, who is God with us, and who wants to be leading our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just this first glimpse of who the Holy Spirit is. Thank you, God, that we will get to see the ways in which we can experience all of you, more of you. God, in this room, so many of us are trying to do things in our own strength. Trying to lift every burden by ourselves, Trying to solve every issue by ourselves. God, running 100 miles per hour, exhausted. When all the while there is one who is waiting to just be inviting in. Who's saying, I will lift that burden. I will give you strength to stand even when you don't understand. God, I pray that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, would open our eyes, help us to see how he is at work. Father, I pray for brothers and sisters who come into this church with all sorts of experiences with the, with the Holy Spirit. And I acknowledge that many of them may come into this church with, with huge barriers, walls built up because of what they saw and experienced other places. God, I pray that this can be a safe environment for us to once again look to your word to learn of you and be led by your spirit God I pray that your creative blessing would be on this church that you would just allow us more and more See where you are at work and to follow after you. God, I'm praying that you will blow our minds. That you would use us to do far more than even we could ever imagine. God, wherever there is work already being done, we want to join you there. Call us out beyond this service beyond the four walls of this building into the neighborhood into our workplaces and into schools and on our jobs and 
every place where there are those who are hurting, who need to know the love of Jesus, God, may we join you there. May we be your ambassadors, your representatives, wherever we find ourselves, day in and day out. Teach us, oh God. Help us to experience the freedom that can only come from you. Father, we love you. We're excited today because we know by your word that you first loved us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of my joys is that on the first Sunday of each month, we together as a congregation get to take part in one of the two sacraments that we celebrate as a congregation and a denomination. That is the sacrament of communion. The sacrament is a sacred practice, a practice that brings together the visible and the invisible. And so we get to be together and share the bread and the cup and we see the ways in which we do that together. But we believe by faith that in some mysterious way that God is with us in this. That God is a part of this activity as well. And that God uses this moment of communion to give us a picture of who he is. He uses it to heal us, to cleanse us, to make us more like him. So we want to invite you today to prepare yourselves for communion, if you grew up in a church like I did on communion Sundays, they, they called us to take a moment of reflection, a moment of examination. Rather than just rushing to the communion table, we would just take a moment at our seat and examine ourselves. In covenant circles, historically, they would ask themselves a question, how goes your walk? So I'm going to ask you to just take a few moments there at your seat. And just do a little bit of self-reflection. How is your walk with the Lord today? Is there something that you're carrying, a burden that you need to lay down? Is there a, a, a brother or a sister that you need to forgive? Is there something you need to ask forgiveness for? This is a wonderful moment just to just lay that before the Lord before we come to the communion table. Well, let's just take a moment, a moment of examination before we proceed.